Welcome to The Stumbling Spirit, Contemplations on the Path of Resilience. Whether you realize it or not, you are resilient. It's your birthright. As you take in your next breath, know this truth. It's not only about your capacity to overcome difficult situations, but it's about your courage to do the necessary work to heal, learn, grow, and move forward. What you gain is invaluable wisdom. And it's through these hard stumbles in life that we often discover a new purpose that aligns with our spirit. My name is Fabio De Silva Fernandez, Reiki master, mindfulness coach, and mystical explorer. Join me weekly as the Stumbling Spirit podcast highlights the lives of extraordinary people like you, sharing transformative stories and beneficial practices of resilience to guide you on your wellness journey. For many businesses, the COVID pandemic produced unparalleled challenges to thrive through mandatory restrictions and drastic shifts in consumer buying habits. Some retailers pivoted quickly to online sales, while others permanently shuttered their doors. Regina Shang not only navigated her way through economic uncertainty, but underwent her own transformation that inspired her to change her long-established boutique in Toronto from a place that sells distinctive curated merchandise into a collaborative multifunctional community space. Today, Regina opens up about her journey as a retailer and truth seeker and her labor of love. It's a privilege to welcome Regina Shung to the show. Hi, Regina. Hi, Fabio. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you've been in business for more than 25 years. What got you into retail? I was a dropped out from school. So I was told that if I don't have any education, I would need to start jobs that are customer service. But little do I know, after 25 years later, what I do, it's beyond a degree. This is something that you either you have it or you don't. So I started out choosing this career path because I felt like I have no choice. And I accidentally fell in love with it. And through the pandemic, I realized my passion. It's still customer service interaction. I need people to thrive. I absolutely need people to thrive. You have a very keen eye for merchandise and you've had two stores in Toronto, one called Propaganda and the other one, which is where you are now called Labor of Love. You often support locally made items and locally made jewelers and artisans. And you also import some very specialty international items as well. How would you describe your retail taste and style? I think it all started out growing up. I don't have any siblings. So I play with neighbors, kids, and then cousins and just really around the community in where I grew up in Hong Kong. And so I was always a make-believe theatrical performer, shopkeeper, because where my family live, they they have a family restaurant business. So I overlook all these activities, like people running around, serving food, preparing food. So there's always lots of action. So above where the building, I always make believe 
I am part of it, which I wasn't because I was a kid. I have to stay away from what they're doing. So that fantasy, because I was by myself and I didn't like to read the television, it's being locked up. I was born in the 70s. And uh, so I was always make believe. I always have dreams. I always imagine, have this fascination of how do I create this production and so I can ask people to join me. So the first gig I have done, it's when I was 13 years old. I have a make-believe theater and I get all my cousins and neighbors' kids to come pay me, uh, watch me make puppet show. And so for the money that I have earned, uh, we share it and bought junk food, popsicle together. So life kind of like transformed and I moved from Hong Kong to here. And I think really at the end of the day, I'm still that girl when I was 13, still want to, you know, bring people together, have to have creativity. I like tactile. I like creating things with my hand. So thank you for the credit about me having a good eye. I think I do have a good eye because you have been shopping with me for, you know, almost two decades and it really allows me to to grow, not only in terms of money, but also your compliment, your advice, your input, your feedbacks. So I think that really shaped me who I am. And it's a really interesting mix too, because you have things like cooking books and kids books and mindfulness books, but then you also have really interesting ceramics, you have teas and art and greeting cards. It's, it's a real feast for the senses. Well, it's interesting that you give me compliments. And now I'm at a life that I have to narrow down. I think that's sort of like when I talk about, you know, playing, I don't know until I try something. So I am open to try kitchen stuff. I'm willing to try so many different things because that's part of life, right? We all have friends have kids. We have friends that have birthday anniversary. So, you know, it's kind of, I have been playing to with merchandise to feed more like what people need, but I am at a point that I need to narrow it down. I do find it's very hard to manage and also really craft what is the thing that really nurture our soul. You know, personal life, I don't believe in buying more stuff, but I do have a retail store that have a lot of stuff in it. So how do I really have this model to coexist in my life right now and have been such a, a journey? And that's why I'm slowly adding elements to the business, like making a space that we can invite the community and come and perform or do a workshop to share. So from here, hopefully I can fine tune and figure out what the next big picture is going to be. Well, let's talk about that in a sec, because I think that's very important. But when you originally opened Labor of Love, what was the concept at that time? So previously, it was propaganda. So I came here, wanted to really forget about my heritage. I left home with some baggage, trauma, stories that I wasn't happy. And so I decided to move away. I think I was 18. Yes, I was 18. Run away and restart my life. 
And propaganda, it was a word for me to be little rabble and just question about life. And after running propaganda for 12 years, I realized I really appreciate more like the craftsmanship, the community. Um, the started out that sort of rabble have really turn into from uh, expression into a burden. So day in, day out, there is this stereotype of customer will come in and make certain jokes. And it wasn't really nurturing my soul anymore. It will have the conversation of like, oh, this toy, it's handmade as $55. But this one, it's mass production in some country and it's $2. Why would I want to pay $55, Regina? I'm very confused. That was the time that I realized that I have to change. Running propaganda was a starting, a plan, almost like a toddler of where I am now. Without propaganda, I wouldn't be label of love and I wouldn't be where I am. So I'm continuing fine-tuning. The name is it's important, but the name gave me some sort of like guidance to go back into like, what, what is your, your label of love? It is really working with people that are like-minded, uh, sharing, you know, same values and also integrity. That was the concept of label of love is not a gallery, but I definitely want to get rid of some of the, let's say, I remember I have this one tote bag. It's by a mass production American company. And the message was, boys are stupid, throw rocks at them. I have one client, I forgot her name, and she challenged me. She said, this is really a big statement on your tote bag. I really didn't see it. I didn't see how it has a bad message to the society. Not that I don't care. I just don't understand what is behind each product. To me, product was just, just something I sell and make a living. It shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't care who makes it or what the message I put out there. It took me 15 years to look back. Wow. Like I would never sell anything with that statement anymore where I am now. I think Label of Love is a big sister, is a grown-up version, not necessarily more elegant, but just more integrity, more mindful, you know, choosing items that are, you know, not only the people's behind, you know, the product, you know, what's their personality, what's their integrity, but more so what is the message they really put out there. So as you come into the store now, the messages is definitely more uh, nurturing. There's no boys, no rocks, no kill kill. It's been a lovely journey. Can you describe your business prior to the pandemic? What was it like? Prior to the pandemic, I was a hamster on a treadmill. I was running and I was income coming in, money goes out, money comes in. Let's say coffee and croissant, it was a form of distraction, but I didn't know about it. I was just running on a treadmill, sort of life is good. I didn't really have time to pause. Well, not that I didn't really have time. I didn't have the concept and self-awareness of mindfully putting an effort to make time for myself. During the pandemic closure, where I am now, 
if you ask me what's the most important thing in life, make time. Time is so important. It's very intentional. You know, I get up, I want to have a good day. I have this daily ritual. I'm definitely making time for myself, making time to talk to you, making time to say thank you for people around. Before the pandemic, I was just running around like a headless chicken, thinking that making end meets, selling things, everything more like visually pleasing, that was enough. So now I spend more time. It's not only visually pleasing. Who am I working with? Who I want to collaborate with to put on an art show, to do it together. It's just very different now. I still have a lot of struggles and a lot of doubts pop up to the service. But now instead of dealing with the doubts, I ask myself, why is it here now? Rather than fix it right away, asking myself, why is it? What is it? And looking deeper. And it's been beautiful. In that busyness before that pandemic started, where things were really frenetic, you had your storefront business. You opened your business how many days a week and what were your hours? And did you also have an online element to your business at that time? You know, this is a, such a great question, Fabio, and it's such a big shift. So we open six days a week. And the so-called establishment hour, it's created to feed the mass. So sort of like what your neighbor's doing, who is taking time off. You know, you're always kind of looking at outside what people need, what is the industry standard. So that was the hours. You want to almost like maximize, capitalize everything, your resources. It's about you pay rent anyway, so you might as well open every every day. So I was open seven days a week for a long time until um, I think about six years ago that we started to close once a week. And the whole idea was to create employment. You know, you get people working here to basically generate income. It was definitely a lot of overwork. I was grinding it before pandemic. But with the pandemic closure, overnight, we lost our momentum, literally overnight. Before they announced the shutdown, we already closed. I decided to close. And I told my team members that I'll see them next week. We thought it was just a thing that it will go away in a, in a week or so. And it didn't. And through that, I definitely realized like, wow, collectively, you know, the whole city was very peaceful in a way, quiet, peaceful. There's no bottom line. No one is buying your earrings and or anything. You can't, you can't think on that. So through that time, I have initiated a couple of art projects. So reach out to artist friends that very much like myself was struggling. So we create a movement that is called Say Thanks to Frontline Worker, basically getting people to go on our website look at art, look at greeting cards, and we'll hand write whatever the message they submit. And we will pay for the stamp and send it out to whoever they want. And through that, I realized time was important. We always want to do well in terms of reaching out and helping out and helping each other, but we didn't make time. So fast forward to now, we reopen. My hours, it's shorter. I think I am fairly certain 80% of retail businesses, even restaurants, have closed earlier. 
we just realize we don't have to grind it anymore. It's not worth it. We want to take care of our health. And so my hours now is we close at six o'clock. Previously, before the pandemic, six o'clock is my prime busy hour. Sometimes, you know, we make all the sales within that hour to pay our bills, but I'm giving that up because I want to leave when it's still bright outside. So our priority have definitely shifted. I remember in 2020, it was March 13th, it was a Friday when that announcement was made about COVID and how serious it was and the impact that it had on all of us and certainly on businesses because of the shutdowns. How did things shift for you during the pandemic, both personally and for your business? Let's put finance aside. For me, it's more like spiritually. I have really learned be compassionate and kind of like don't be so quick to judge whatever is in front of you and also be patient. Instead of reinventing yourself in a way, you know, I know a lot of people starting to learn German and start making sourdough bread. And I remember, you know, telling myself, no, I'm going to pick up English storybook because I want to improve my English, both for my speaking and also writing. What shifted is I want to dig deeper. I want to dig deeper instead of, it's same with the coffee and croissant story. It's like a distraction learning something new, learning something new. I'm losing my Cantonese and my English hasn't yet improved. So my thing, it's like digging deeper to my own community to rediscover my heritage, which is Chinese, and also reading more books to improve my written English and spoken English. That is a big shift for me. I want to find one thing or two things to improve rather than all over the place, you know, jump on social media and and fit into what the world is doing. So I was really looking inwards. So that that is a big shift for me. And I'm still, every day, I feel like I'm in a maelstrom. I am not drowning. I'm floating. But there's days that, you know, I can't see the horizon. So I just need to pick one thing. It's called focus finding my ground and practice what's in front of me. So that's a big shift because as you mentioned earlier, the store is very diverse. We have this, we have that. And really, I wanted to narrow it down to in self 13 different categories. What is the top five that I want to focus on? And I want, first of all, my customer to focus on rather than feeding all the needs. We can't please everyone. I don't know if I answer your question. You are answering the question. I wonder if we could explore that idea a little bit more though. So there was something that was a catalyst for you to just pause and to just be present, to have that introspection, to realize that you needed to become more spiritual. There was something that inspired you to look within. What was that? It's multiple things. You know, government, bailout, fundings, you support me. There's a movement about shopping local. All those things are not sustainable to me. What is the insecurity for me? It's what am I putting back out to the world? It's kind of contradict what I'm doing because I'm a retailer. I sell off stuff. I realize that change is inevitable. So the 
the discovery, it's knowing that whatever decision I make there forward, take me closer to my goal, that is a good decision. Whatever I do, whatever personally or business-wise, that take me further away from my goal. And that's very obvious. It's not a good idea. So that it's really important for me. It's what am I putting not only energy, like I want to not save the world necessarily, but like me and you, like I feel like I can change my attitude one-on-one and that will be a ripple effect. Um, I need to lead by example. People have said, if I stop using straws, there's still big companies spilling the oil. What does it do if I stop using plastic? It's very important for me not saying like, I'm just like a little retail business. What kind of impact? But if everyone thinks like that, nothing will be done. So for me, it's like the lockdown, the whole pandemic have taught me, no, 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 I need to improve myself, mindfulness, find my allies and build a little connection and then go from there little by little. So that is what made me change and really helped me to carry on and rebuild within my little shop. It is not just a a shop. There's more than that. There's community building. There's like a village of people coming and out. So through this, hopefully we can create some sort of community in here. One thing I mentioned in the introduction is that a lot of businesses went under. How did you manage to stay afloat during the pandemic? That's a, you know, I don't know how I'm still here. I think, first of all, closing, it's not necessarily a bad idea. I think it takes a lot of courage for anybody to close their businesses. For me, it's not that I didn't have courage to close. I did thought about closing, running away from my problems. And I did look elsewhere, sort of like other job I could take, but it's like what I really like in life. And what other job can provide that joy? And it come back to customer service. You know, it all comes back to reimagining your space can be your playground. There's no other places that provide that joy for me. But I feel it's very important to kind of go through that sort of like when life is in so much doubt, you think of a little sprout. I love that saying from this book that we used to have. I felt everything was an obstacle everything, talking to you, not you in particular, just like customers, like, oh my God, you know, what am I doing here? Little by little, I asked myself, what, what is it really you don't like about, do you really don't like talking to people or you actually have other circumstances put you in the situation? So I quickly realized, let's give this another shot. Reimagining a space that not so much about traditional brick and mortar buy and sale, Slowly fine-tuning, adding other elements to cater to what I really need for my soul. Making this work, it's necessity right now. I'm not doing it for just like survival, but I'm doing it sort of like we need to change the culture. We need to bring etiquette, bring values back into customer service. You know, I have a lot of friends that are in restaurant businesses and, you know, retail 
And the reason why people are leaving, it's not because they want government help. No, I don't know anybody like that. It's just there's lack of appreciation. And I wanted to lead by example, give people above and beyond on connection within the space so that the allies will come and then we can build it bigger and better together. What was that spark that you had to morph your store, Labor of Love, from a merchandising space into a community hub where you hold workshops, food tastings and demos, et cetera. What was that spark for you? So this is not new. I mean, since propaganda, I have hosted events. And right now in Senate reInvent, it just dig deeper. So you kind of like, you know, when we are older, we kind of look back in life and what are those like aha moments? What's the moments that you felt like, oh, I closed my eyes. That events make me feel really good. So I did those sort, sort of soul searching, you know, what bring me joy. It's like doing a project together and then, you know, make it alive and, uh, and we all have fun. I mean, I'm still checking it out and see if this is going to work to provide income for all parties to sustain the business model. You can say, you know, it's a spark. But I think like I make a choice of choosing instead of consumerism, this is more experiential economy. You know, I still need to make income, but instead of focusing on selling people more stuff is to create collaboration opportunity and also to focus more on bringing in the experience, either learning for example, we had three series of embroidery classes. There's flower arrangement coming up. So we pay instructors or instructor rented our space. So everybody, it's really in this sort of like ecosystem, a label of love that if the instructor, they either get paid fairly or they rent our space and we'll help them to build at events to share, you know, our strength on visual merchandising and marketing and help each other to make things happening. So in a way, this is sort of like Labor of Love becoming this like launching pad. A lot of us, you know, for example, yourself, you've done tech industry and you also have a, a switch through the pandemic for you personally. And I think we talk about how can we share the space together and help you and help me to bring more people in to experience what you're practicing. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to work for everyone forever, but so far, tried and true, the idea is slowly crystallizing. We're selling through our tickets and the events that we put out, it's been very well received. So, so far, so good. That's great. I mean, you talked about workshops related to embroidery to flower arrangements. I was there not long ago where there was a sound bath. Could you explain a little bit more about the kinds of events that you hold? Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about events, uh, a lot of people think like wine and cheese and party. So we found that there's a lot of wine and cheese and party available in many places, but we really want to focus on cultural exchange and also wellness. To me, wellness is not just talking about only exercising, nutritious. To me, flower arrangement is wellness. Aesthetic is wellness. So, you know, embroidery, it's, it's actually part of wellness because it's quite meditative. So we wanted to dig in deeper to see what about going back 
to like pen on paper. We have a family story writing. So we want to focus on more like that type of workshop rather than reinventing and learning about the type of cheese or wine. We have music events coming up as well, but we want to focus on more like who is performing. So we want to work with more independent startup artists and everyday people. It sounds like it's a space where you would like to cultivate wellness and also support local artists, as you say, but independent business owners as well. Yeah. That's the goal. That's the goal. And every now and then, you know, we're working with publisher and sometimes we need to work with bigger corporation to figure out what we don't like to do. So that was my journey. We started out last September. We got approached a few times and I facilitate a few times. You don't know until you try. And now we definitely know that's not what we want to do. We need to stay focused. I think you need to go through the what you don't want to find out what you really want. We call this almost like a residency. You know, we're all figuring it out, either our path, our practice, whatever that is, and trying to see if we can give it a try, make it a goal. I have recently rent out a space for two fine art painter, and they want to rent our space and host their home events. And unfortunately, no one signed up for the workshop. So they call for help. I didn't know I have those knowledge, but I share like an hour talk of like what we have done, tried and true from setting up the title to taking a picture to promote to how to set up Eventbrite, who you should pay attention to, who you shouldn't pay attention to in terms of the part that you need to sell the ticket. So this two 20 some years old type up this whole blog and they're like, can we share with the world? I'm like, yes, please. And so hopefully I'll get some materials and we can plug it into our blog post website so people can read it and like, yes, that's, this is what you, you have to do. I think like right now I'm just doing a, a lot of different things to find out what is the unknown muscle in my body that I don't even know that I have and learning by doing and just to like figure it out and not thinking about going back or starting up or whatever, but just exercising, building around as long as it is within the mindful about integrity. What we talk about, it's not about selling things, it's about nurturing, growing together. So that's the focus. I know you're still feeling things out and you're going with the flow, but do you have an ultimate vision? My dream? So I look at live problems and find solution. Um, so the biggest hurdle about my industry, retail industry, you need to make sales. You know, people talk about bottom line. The word bottom line to me should always stay at the bottom. It shouldn't come up to here. You know, culture, wellness, humanity should be up here. But how do I do that? So I try a bunch of things and I realize now label of love strength, it's connecting people, presentation, you know, storytelling, almost like um, a sales rep. So it, my dream is to have this as a showroom. None of this stuff belong to me because... For the last 25 years, 
I feel like I was constantly working for not the artist. I was working for the stuff because I was selling the stuff. Moving forward, my dream is to work for you, work for human, that they have created this beautiful, let's say, fine art, pottery, whatever that could be, clothing line. There's one clothing line coming in. I could just be their cheerleader to share their story instead of worrying about, oh my God, how am I going to sell this? The bottom line, the bottom line. Right now, I'm just going to focusing on the customer service, working with people like-minded, really create the shop that it's things that are well-made. You can come here and touch and think and learn and everything will be an investment. So nothing, it's going to be fast-paced. Price is going to go up a bit, but at least I'll be working. I know who's behind it. Right now, I still have a lot of noises, a lot of distraction in the store that I, I need to narrow down. My vision is to create this as a hub that it's sort of like a gallery, but it's more not just painting. It's more functional art, you know, could be a knife, a chopping board, basically essential things, but it's like back to like handmade. So that's where I, my dream is, just to have different source of income to support all of our dream. How has the change in your business and the philosophy behind your business impacted or influenced other businesses in the community? Well, wow, that's a good question. I don't know if I have impact, but I know I have inspired a lot of local businesses to close on Monday. <laughs> they joke like I, you know, set up a, a, a bad example. I think it inspired some of my peeps to kind of, hey, take it easy. We close earlier. We can go home before sunset because of the nature of the store that we sell a lot of greeting cards. So often people comes in, they tell, tell me stories, short stories. I've never once heard anyone said, you know, oh, I'm sick. I wish I can work harder. It's always been the point of like, I just wish I have more time. I just wish I see the world. You know, it's things that it's almost like reimagined that we couldn't do. It's so hard to achieve, but yet it's just that we're not doing it. It's not hard. We're not closing early. Like what? There's no retail police to say, Regina, you must grind it until eight. Never. Before pandemic, it's like, how do we meet to the standard to the world? But who told you that standard? Actually, no one did tell me ever. I just choose to believe that. So right now, for me, it's like a rebirth. And to like, what's important for me? We have power down Wednesday, as you know. It's important to find that middle of the week to have a day to recalibrate, to have like moment of tranquility, even in the middle of busy middle of the week. You know, most people think of like, oh my God, it's going to be crazy. It's busy. But every Wednesday, it's, I don't really have to clean because people remove their shoes before they come in. And because they turn their cell phone on mute, they're very mindful. They're only dealing with what's presence. So things doesn't get move all over the place. It is magical. CBC somehow got a hold of this Power Down Wednesday last year, and I had an interview. I think it's called Here and Now. That's the title of the show. And, you know, the host was like, wow, literally, I walk in, 
you asked me to remove my shoes. I'm like, you know, not literally like, please remove your shoes. Yeah, it was very, very difficult to begin with. I didn't have the kind of like knowledge and confidence to carry out what I really need as a human. I couldn't do it anymore. I was finding myself have a lot of anxiety doing my work schedules. I have cry spell. I just have a lot of anxiety being at work. And I have to really look inwards to ask myself, what is it really causing all those issues? And I realized it was the fitting back in the real world. You know, we were shut down. I was working behind a closed door. I didn't see any customer. But boom, when we open, you know, and it's like free for all. Everyone comes in with their cell phone, with their dog, with their coffee. It was just overwhelming. And I like to have that middle of the week, a little bit of a ritual so that I can take a deep breath and recenter. So, you know, the radio show, there's people heard the show and they, they reach out. They found Google label of love and found a telephone. And then they call me. And this one gentleman, he's from Saskatchewan. And he said, the first thing he asked, so how was sales? So I said, what do you mean? So did the marketing strategy work? You know, did the radio show brought a lot of customer to you? I'm like, oh my God, this is nothing to do with sales. I said, our sales plummet because the first three months, apparently I offended a lot of people. Because in this society, no one should tell anyone what to do, including turn off your cell phone, remove your shoes, because people didn't bother to ask what was behind the idea. I wasn't intentionally trying to inconvenience people or using this as a wow factor to to bring in more sales. It was very funny that call. I realized like, wow, is that how the world see everything we do? It's all about money. And I realized I was about to give up that idea because I got yelled at all the time for the first three months. It was really difficult. And I realized like, oh my God, no, I really need this. Every other week I'll get yelled at. And then every other week moving forward, I'll get less pushback. Then the people who came for the first three months, they will come back and rejoin and bring their friends. And now we have a little, you know, Wednesday regular customer, sometimes they come on Saturday and remove their shoes. And even when I insist that I didn't clean the floor and they're like, no, I want to be grounded. So that's so beautiful. And I really learned we're not here to please everyone. We're here to find out people, build our little tiny community and just find like-minded people that we can help each other to heal, to grow and to do all that. So that's my goal personally and for the business. Just for our listeners, when you say Power Down Wednesdays, essentially that was an invitation for your customers who entered your space to just disconnect from technology, to remove their shoes as if they were entering into a home. And also you would hold events there on Wednesdays related to mindfulness and other things as well. So I just wanted to clarify that. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about Power Down Wednesdays? You said it. It's very good. It is an invitation. You know, it's not for everyone. We're not forcing anyone to do things that they don't feel comfortable. It is an open invitation that, you know, they're free to join. uh, And this is the day that we practice as such. I think moving forward, I would like to definitely add programs to strengthen our Power Down Wednesday. Like anything in life, starting, it's very difficult. 
and we have brainstorm and talk about bringing programs in on Wednesday. And it's been definitely on pause and we talk about it again. So hopefully we can have Reiki, sound bath and uh, other programs that people can come in and join. For the time being, on every Wednesday, we offer free tea, sometimes free soup, and sometimes even free meals. It just come as you are. If you walk in, I happen to make certain thing. And if you like to share and customer can bring in their food as well and enjoy it in the store with the mindset of not disturbing other people. So that's our Power Down Wednesday. Of course, it's more than just Power Down Wednesdays. You have other events and you advertise them in your newsletters and they can happen on weekends as well. Can you describe some of the events that you hold in relation to that? Yeah, so um, the most recent one, we have a Japanese tea ceremony. We talk about what type of events we want to host. So that was a, a culture sharing we brought in a uh, chado tea ceremony master and also Ikabana Zenze Ayazang. She's the certified florist and for Ikabana. So that whole program was a collaboration with six different independent businesses from tea ceremony, tea farmers, flower arrangement, the tea ceremony, we're using matcha. So the matcha also, we turn, use that matcha for matcha cheesecake, which involve a local baker. And then also we have invited Nicole Manners, who is a sound bath practitioner. So she end the event with a sound bath. So that is sort of like the event we want to continue on doing. We all shine together. We all kind of produce something together and uh, all under one roof to experience all that. So we can learn what is the proper way to not only making tea, but first and foremost, we have to figure out from the farmers, what is the best matcha tea? How do we differentiate what to buy? So we learn from scratch and then figure out the rest through that programs that day. So that was a very memorable day. What does resilience mean to you? Wow, I've never been asked, but resilient for me, it's like you can't dwell on the past. You kind of have to move forward. Resilient to me is finding solution rather than complain about it. Resilient to me, it's you can complain and feel hurtful and then move through it and find a solution and get to another stage. And keep coming up with solutions to me that's resilient. As an immigrant, when I first moved here, you know, I have to learn English. I have to find a job. I have to do a lot of things that I was uncomfortable. And through that resiliency, it's always having a focus on moving forward, finding solution, and understanding everything good or bad shall pass. Nothing lasts forever. So that's how I, how I look at resilience. What are your practices of resilience in your life? I think resilience practices for me, it's my attitude, the attitude towards like everything. We can easily just get so wind up about the world, the world, you know, we keep pointing outwards. So to me, the resilience practice, it's I literally every day I get up, I do my meditation. When I come to work, you'll see me cleaning the sidewalk from neighbors to neighbor, half a block, 
To me, resilience is the intention. It's the attitude to start that foundation of goodness. If you don't have that, you can't conquer anything. You can't work through trouble and finding solution. You know, starting the day with a proper mindset can help you grow from stage to stage. To me, that's my practice of every day. So, like ending my day with you talking to you, it's one of the practice. I'm in retail. It's very vulnerable because the door is open, and the last customer doesn't matter how difficult it is. I always end the day with kindness. So that's my that's my practice. How do these practices benefit you? Well, you definitely feel lighter when you hold things. The word hold. I don't think we need to. We should ever do that. So these practices, making an intention and making every day count, every moment count, and going through, you know, the notion of sometimes you can't, you know, even though I'm being very purposefully being kind or whatever. Some days is very challenging. So again, the resiliency, the practice is kind of like work through things and being able to feel like you can work through things. It's it's such a good feeling. You know, through the lockdowns, I felt so stuck. Not only literally stuck in a house. You can't imagine it. You can't think beyond the day. So I feel like that would be my answer. Yeah. How can people contact you if they want to reach you? So I'm gonna point out our website address. It's www.thelaboroflove.ca.、Uh, Thank you, Regina. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your practices of resilience. Thank you, Fabio, and have yourself a good night. Thank you for listening to the Stumbling Spirit Contemplations on the Path of Resilience. This is Fabio da Silva Fernandez. Join me again next week for another episode of transformative stories and beneficial practices to guide you on your wellness journey. If you wish, you can follow and DM me on Instagram at the Stumbling Spirit. Until next time, take a deep breath and another step forward on your path of resilience.